And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Seed Red. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rick C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. Now, here's a question for you guys. Have you ever wanted to go to England? Lots of times. Yeah? What would you do there? Well, I know a lot of people go to England to, like, party mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But if I were to go to England, I would probably go to see, like, all the tourist sites because I've been wanting to see that type of stuff, like the museums and the Jack the Ripper walk and all that stuff. Right. What about you, Aaron? Pretty much the same reasons. Maybe see a, a UF, no, UKF. Well, UKF, he tours all around the world. I mean. What is that, UKF? UKF is, um, he's, well, we probably see some type, type of dubstep <coughs> show just because they have a there's lot a lot of, of those in the UK. Yes, very much so. And a lot of it, um, and people are probably more like nobody cares about fucking dubstep or Skrillex bullshit. Um, American dubstep sucks. <laughs> Some of it's good, depending on what you listen to, but for the most part, and you can back me up on this is because I showed you this. Um, a lot of the electronic music that we know today derived from the UK. Oh, okay. Well, I know, for example, and you guys obviously have heard it by now is, um, you know, our theme music, you know, Fox don't sue us, but, it's a mixture of the X-Men cartoon theme song mixed in with dubstep. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Ian Bashore putting in dialogue. Hmm. You know, a friend of mine just came back from the the whole UK. Um, they went on the Da Vinci Code tour. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so they, they literally they got to go to, like, the Knights of the Templars uh, church, and they went to the Luge, and... Where else did they fuck? They went all over the place. Um, but one of the things that they said is there's so many pubs out there that it's, it's unbelievable, you know, because you think that American bars, you know, well, the way that American bars are perceived where the pub is con- uh, perceived completely different, you know, it's almost like, um, while it's a bar, but it's, it's almost got like a family, friendly type atmosphere <clears throat> excuse me and um you know so it's it's more welcomed i guess more socially acceptable to head down to the pub than it is here in the states and the reason i bring up the pub is because i f- was digging around for some weird news and this comes from vice.com and the headline pretty much says it all. So I'm just going to lay it right out. It's called Deep Inside the Chain Pub Piss Dungeon. <laughs> and uh, at first I was like, well, okay, a piss dungeon. You know, so I, I was thinking like, you know, what, what are they doing? But this is actually from vice.com. And it says... Ever heard the story of the girl who sleeps with some dude and ends up getting some weird flesh-eating disease that the doctor tells her can only be contracted through sex with a corpse? Have you heard of that? Yeah. (laughs) Every once in a while, you hear a story of human sexual deviance so extremely left of center that it literally blows your mind. It even more disturbing when you're there 
at the source and can see the fuck, I can't see it. Corroboration? Thank you. Yeah. Evidence for yourself. One of my best buds from South End is the manager of a chain pub in central London. A few weeks ago, he was standing behind the bar when a guy came up to him looking rather concerned. Uh, listen, mate, this is going to sound totally insane, but I just gone for a piss in the urinal, and I could have sworn I saw an eyeball looking up for me from the hole. I'm sorry. It sounds Canadian. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> My friend replies, not just an eyeball, but like an eyeball as well. And the eyeball was looking around. So the guy convinced my friend to have a look for his own peace of mind. <clears throat> so you guys, you, you follow me still? Yeah. Okay. They both went into the bathroom to check on the two adjourning rooms. As they go through the first door, they discover that the place is pretty much flooded with urine. My mate comments to the guy that obviously is, let's see, this is not normal. <laughs> and if you guys sink your phones in, you can see he actually took a picture of them walking into the first room. It's everywhere. Yes. <clears throat> um, then it goes on to say, Things get stranger still when they get to the door of the second back room, which is a fire exit and should be unlocked. It isn't. My friend gets his keys and unlocks the door. And as he begins to do so, a frantic scuffle begins behind the door. As he attempts to push the door open, the handle is ripped out of his hand and a dude comes charging out of the room soaked from head to toe in piss. He pushes both my friend and the customer, who are too shocked to react, out of the way, screaming, I didn't do anything, as he ran away. By the time they regained their sense of reality, the guy had made his escape, leaving them to assess the scene. Deprived, he only left in his wake. Now, if you scroll down, you see a, a picture of the second room. It's disgusting. And it goes on to read more. The plumbing from the urinal had been carefully removed and put onto one side, leaving in a hole in the massatory big enough for a head and shoulders to squeeze into. Tissue paper had been laid on the exposed brickwork to provide a comfortable headrest for what seemed to be a lengthy session of being pissed on by men in secret in a toilet belonging to pretty much the biggest pub chain in Britain. Oh, and did I mention there was a snorkel? The police are called. Forensic scores the scene, but no fingerprints can be found owing to the copious amounts of we on every single surface. And then if you scroll down even further, you see where the guy had taken out the urinal and laid down the tissue paper so he can put his hand under there and get pissed on. <clears throat> I was told this story while incredibly stoned. <laughs> I was... Uh, Let's see, where was I? Uh, I even more incredibless, incredibless. I, folks, I can't read. I'm not stoned. I'm not stoned. When he showed up, or he showed me the pictures of the makeshift pissed dungeon on his phone, taken moments after the incident. He said that it was pretty much disturbing by the fact that he had seen this utterly normal-looking middle-aged man at his lowest ebb. He had obviously done a reese on the place and put a fair amount of planning to, into finding, locking himself into the room, all without arising, arousing suspicion of staff or the punters before it was way too late. There you go. Next time you go to pee in a urinal, 
or anywhere for that matter, just remember that someone could, (laughs) here comes Rebecca's new fear, someone could remember, or just remember that someone could be mere feet away bathing in your waist fluids. So I, I read that and I'm like, well, number one, that was, that kind of remind me because I, you know, do you still have that fear about walking out to the car by yourself? Oh, heck yeah. Tell the listeners your fear and then I'll get into it. I don't know why, but I have this fear. Like, well, it's because I used to have a, a belief and it's like really high. And for some reason I had this fear that if I walked up to my car by myself, someone would like crawl out from under the car and like cut my Achilles, Achilles tendons. So I couldn't <laughs> run away. I don't know why I had this. I still have it. Um, and that's just, you know, because you're afraid someone's underneath you. Yeah. Well, literally in this story, someone is literally underneath you completely. And I don't get the fact that, I mean, I, I, I know there's fetishes. There's all types of weird fetish. Why in the fuck would you want to get pissed on? I don't know. In a public pub. I mean, think about it. Think about all that work that goes into it. He had to go pull out the bricks, undo the plumbing, you know, make sure his head and shoulders would fit in there just to get pissed on. And he had a snorkel. That that disturbs me even more. Because he he really thought about it. It wasn't someone just acting on impulse, you know. <clears throat> um, both the lovebirds are looking down at their phones. What are you guys looking at? I mean, some weird stuff. Well, hit me with well, it. Well, I was rereading that article, and then I, I went to Facebook for a second, and this is going to make you laugh because um, this is something that you you seen in your childhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, bitch, yes. That's the real Hulk Hogan right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what I showed him was uh, the, these people photoshopped a picture of actual Hulk Hogan's face, face. into the Hulk. From, it looked like, the Avengers. <laughs> That's good. What are you reading, Bets? I was reading this list about... um. <clears throat> 10 most bizarre animal experience experiments in history. Oh, I think our ratings about to jump up. Okay, hit us with it. Um the first one is the two-headed dogs, number 10. Um it's basically about a scientist, uh-huh, who uh managed to achieve the feat in the early 1900s. He his creation lasted for 26 minutes. He basically sewn another dog's head to that well, he was going to do a heart surgery, but sewn that dog another dog's head to that dog. Uh-huh. And it lived. Back then, that was, like, crazy. You know what I'm saying? For 26 minutes, it lived. Yeah. And then the second one is about, uh, it says, male turkeys were aroused by se- by severed heads. Do what? It says, in the 1960s, Pennsylvania researchers Martin Shine and Edgar Hale observed that male turkeys mated with female turkey models as eagerly as they would the real thing. Intrigued, the duo placed the male turkeys in a series of even weirder experiments. They, hit, they hypothesized that the male turkeys were erotically focused on the female's head. They slowly removed the model's body parts one by one until the head was on a stick. The head on a stick remained. Nonetheless, the male turkeys remained aroused by the head, and even preferred it over the headless body. <laughs> now, here's where the experiment truly gets bizarre. The researchers got a real, a real severed female turkey head and placed it on a stick. They also put a dried male head, a two-year-old weathered female head, and a head made of plain balsa wood. Undaunted, the male turkeys tried to mate with every single one of them. <laughs> um, the number eight is a monkey head transplant. It says American scientist Robert White is credited as the first man who successfully performed a true head pl- transplant. While Demikov granted <laughs> an extra head onto a living, bo- a living dog's body, White went the extra mile and managed to transplant a severed monkey head to another specimen's decapitated body in the 70s. Prior to the operation, White had successfully attached a dog's brain onto another dog and kept a monkey's detached brain alive outside of its body. From an interview with White himself, the decapitated monkey revived after it was reattached to the body and even tried to bite a member of the team's, member of White's team. However, the monkey couldn't move its body as there was no no method yet to reattach the brain to the spinal cord. The monkey lived for a day and a half before expiring. 
For reasons undisclosed, White never got the chance to try his method on human beings. However, present-day scientists have said that we may see the first human head transplant in this century. Now, wait a minute. Was was that was that uh, in Russia? Yeah, his name was uh, had a Russian name. No, no, it wasn't Russia. No. No, they were talking about uh, the the first guy I was talking about with the dogs. Uh-huh. He was a Russian guy. Okay. This guy's name is White. Uh, number seven is Frank and Kitty. Frank and Kitty. Oh shit. Says German scientist Carl August Weinhold believed that the human brain was like a battery that was attached to several wires, namely the nervous system. This real-life Dr. Frankenstein set out to prove his point in 1817. When he performed an experiment on a kitten, in his own words, Weinhold provided ex- explicitly, explicitly gory details of his experiment. The animal lost all life, all sensory functions, voluntary muscle movements, and even its pulse. Afterwards, I filled both cavities with the aforementioned al- almag- almagam. Uh-huh. Zinc and silver. For almost 20 minutes, the animal got into such a life state. Tension that it raised its head, opened its eyes, finally got up with obvious effort, hopped around, and sank down with exhaustion. While Weinhold's experiment may be considered insane and unethical today, this was during the time when the science community was obsessed with reviving the dead. In fact, a year after Weinhold's experiment, Mary Shelley released her wildly popular classic novel, Frankenstein. Number six is The Lazarus Project. This one I thought was pretty interesting. In the 1930s, University of California researcher Robert Cornish believed he could revive dead organisms as long as they hadn't suffered major organ damage. He asphyxiated four fox terriers, which he named Lazarus, the biblical character whom Jesus brought back to life, and placed them in a seesaw-like machine. The odd contraption circulated the corpse's blood by moving up and down while Cornish administered a cocktail of adrenaline and anticoagulants. He failed to revive his first two subjects, but succeeded with the last two. Although blinded and severely brain damaged, Lazarus 3 and 4 lived for months at his home. The researcher became so famous, that the univer- so infamous, that the university kicked him off the campus and he had to continue his work in a makeshift lab near his home. In 1947, Cornish reappeared with a new resurrection machine that looked and looked for a human volunteer. A prisoner on death row, Thomas McMinigle, I don't know how to say that, Volunteer for the project, but state officials were afraid that he, that they might have to free him after his execution and declined <laughs> Cornish's request. The disheartened researcher went home and lived the rest of his life selling toothpaste. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Number five is the shock puppy. This one's interesting to me, too. So the shock puppy experiment. Uh-huh. And they follow up to the infamous uh, Milgram experiment. Researchers uh, C.L. Sheridan and R.G. King came up with an even more brutal version. They hypothesized that some of the subjects suspected that because their the other um, the Milgram experiment is basically where they put people in a cage and had other people shock them, right, to see how much they would shock other people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they hypothesized that some of the subjects suspected that their human victim was faking the electric shock, so they decided to replace the victim with a live puppy. The shocks administered were harmless, but enough to elicit responses from the puppy. After the test, the researchers compiled their data. And reached a shocking conclusion. Of the 26 subjects, 13 men, 13 women, all the women administer the socks up to the highest level. On the other hand, 50% of the men refused to administer any more shocks they perceived as severe. Really? Yeah, they were more inclined to be nicer to the puppy than the women were. That's funny. I wonder why. Why? why? Well, you're a woman. I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I would be like, no. <laughs> to me, it's heartless, but that's just me. I don't, I don't like animal experience. I, I know it has to be done on certain aspects for like... Medicines stuff like that. But yeah. stuff like this to me is just, there's no reason. Right. Number four is called an elephant high on LSD. Oh, shit. Oklahoma researchers Lewis Jolin. Oklahoma? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Lewis yeah, Jolin West and Chester M. Pierce wanted to find out what would happen when an elephant tripped on acid. <laughs> on August 1962, the researchers went to the local zoo and found a suitable subject named Tusco. Tusco? Yeah. Okay. Zoo director Warren Thomas, who fired an LSD... Filled syringe bullet right into the Tesco's rump. The syringe contained 297 milligrams of LSD. Holy fuck. That's about 3,000 times the normal dose for a human. No, wait, hold on. We're we're fast. Now, I wonder how that went. You know, hi, I'm Dr. Such and Such, and uh, I want to inject LSD into your elephant's ass. Is that okay? Yeah, why not? Go for it. (laughs) It's the South. The South will rise again, right? Right. The researchers disclosed that they wanted to see if LSD would induce m- m- mus. What how do you say that? M u s t h. M u s t h. Mus. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they wanted to. Who would induce mus? A temporary aggression that male elephants experience. So they opted 
for the absurdly high dose. The result was less than spectacular. Almost immediately, Tesco moved around erratically, and then he promptly kneeled over and died. The disastrous experiment made headlines and forced researchers to search for any meaningful lessons. Thomas suggested that LSD could be used to cool large and troublesome herds. Four wait, months wait, after, wait, hold on, wait, wait. So out of all this, he this, just fucking dies. Right after they put all that LSD, it gave him basically a way too high of a dose. He OD'd on it. <sighs> Thomas suggested that the LSD could be used to cool large and troublesome herds. For four months after the debacle, the scientists stated that the obvious that stated the uh stated the obvious in a scientific journal. Elephants were highly sensitive to LSD. <laughs> this one's just weird to me. Okay, what's this is number three, right? Yeah, dolphin gets intimate with a human. In 1967, dolphin researcher John Lilly published his controversial book, The Mind of the Dolphin, which details his assistant, Margaret Howe's time, living and teaching a male dolphin named Peter to speak. The pair lived together in a flooded house for six months. How they did this, I don't know, but they flooded a house and put the dolphin in there. This is the 60s, okay. so yeah. who knows? They they were using LSD themselves. Yeah. They probably thought they During were dolphins. During that time, Hal played with Peter and taught him to speak basic English words. After a while, Peter became more amorous with and repeatedly tried to mate with Margaret. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Who's, now, Peter's the dolphin. dolphin. So he's saying that the dolphin was speaking English. Yeah. LSD. I'm telling you. LSD. Okay, and now... Well, I think you can teach dolphins how to, like, mimic English words because the way their vocal cords are made. Uh-huh. Fuck you. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, Finally, she... I can't say that word. Okay, back up a little bit because... Okay. After a while, Peter became more amorous and repeatedly tried to mate with Margaret. Okay. Finally, I would say she agreed to his sexual demands and stroked Peter's dolphinhood with her hands and feet. She even did this when... No, no. I'm sorry. I know I keep... She molested, this is some bestiality shit. She molested the dolphin, basically. No. But is she a doctor? Or what is she? She was a... She was an assistant of this doctor. He was a researcher. And this was his assistant. She lived with the dolphin. He was, like, researching what would happen and all this stuff. So, in other words, she gave the dolphin a handy. Yeah. And a footy. Basically. At, on, on the dolphin's request. Yes. Wow. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> she even did this when other people were present. Towards the end, she concluded that Peter trusted her enough to be intimate with her. The strange, the strange experiment did nothing to bolster Lily's reputation. Federal funding for his research stopped when, author- when authorities discovered he also gave dolphins LSD to make them talk. I told you LSD <laughs> was hooked up in there somewhere. That's fucking funny. Number two is jellyfish in space. Hold on, wait. I, I'm, I'm You're still... still on the, the LSD <laughs> of the dolphin. This is the 60s. I don't know... I don't know why they thought that it would be okay for them basically to molest the dolphin and then write a book about it and think that they were going to get funding from the government for this. Yeah. Hey... That, the, that wasn't why it stopped, though. That wasn't why their funding stopped. It stopped because he gave the dolphins drugs, not because they molested the dolphins. That was okay. Yeah. It, you know... Peter, he, he's a, he's a good guy, you know, he, he has a kind of a, a weird fetish about them dolphin fish, but, uh, you know, he, he's a pretty good guy. I think we should <laughs> give him, uh, you know, some of that cash flow there. Oh, no, no, professor. They do LSD with the, the dolphins. I don't know why the second professor. Sound <laughs> <laughs> like a Mexican. Oh, no. They do LSD with the, the dolphins, doctor. You can, uh, put it in like homeland security and, and, you know, tap phone lines. Okay. Go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this one's called Jellyfish in Space. That's doctor- the movie of my, that's the name of my next movie. Yeah. Jellyfish in, in space. space. Go ahead. Dr. Dorothy Spangenberg. Yes, yeah, Spangenberg. It's a weird ass name. A scientist with the, with the Eastern Virginia Medical School wanted to know what effects gravity would have on future humans born in space. And what better way to find out than launch a few thousand jellyfish there first? Seriously, no one had a better idea. On June 5th, 1991, she and her team packed 2,478 baby jellyfish alongside the crew of the Columbia Space Shuttle for their experiment. The jellyfish adapted well to orbit and their numbers soon reached 60,000. Oh, shit. From mating. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, when they were brought back to Earth, these space-born jellyfish were, were noted to have greater pulsar abnormalities than usual, which was a fancy way of saying they had vertigo because they couldn't adapt to the gravity. The scientists concluded that humans who share similar gravity-sensing appendages with jellyfish would likely experience the same problems if they were to be born in space and brought back to Earth. Now, this is actually interesting because it's something similar to what I read. Yeah. Is, um, you know, they're, they're, they're actually taking volunteers. They're going to ship people off to Mars. But unfortunately, it's a one-way trip. You're not coming back home. You're going to Mars forever. And um, one of the things that they were talking about is, you know, Eventually, when they because they'll keep sending you know ships out there, yeah. continuum until they build a, a civilization, um, you know, to the point where they'll be able to build their own rocket ships and come back to Earth. Yeah. But they were saying that actual humanoid Martians, you know, humans that are born on Mars, they wouldn't be able to handle living do, on Earth. Yeah, they wouldn't because of the the dense gravity that yeah. we have. So I actually find that kind well, of well. It's cool to know if you're born. Well, I guess. Well, they say, like, if you're already here, you can adapt to that, but you can't adapt to this if you're there. Right. So it's cool to know that if you did go to space, you could adapt to it, but that your children would never be able to adapt to Earth's atmosphere again. Right. I don't know. I find that kind of interesting just on the level of, you know, they're they're planning to send fuckers out to Mars. I wouldn't go. Oh. How are you going to get your, you With know. my internet. Yeah, that's exactly couldn't live without internet and video games. Be like, hey, boys and girls, this is our first podcast from Mars. And that would be about it because then <laughs> how would we get it back? Get it on the web. Right? Okay. The, the last one is called Disembodied Doghead. Mm. This one's pretty creepy. Okay. Go for it. In 1928, Russian scientist Sergei Burke, I can't even say, on. Burkhanjevich? No. Burkhanjevich? 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 Yeah, that's what it looks like. Burkhanjevich? Sir J.B. Shocked his fellow Soviet scientists when he presented his bizarre life support machine. He claimed his auto-ejector machine made it possible to keep a head alive through continuous blood circulation while the rest of the body went through intensive surgery. To prove his point, he presented a film of what appeared to be a disembodied dog's head being tested to various stimulations. Amazingly, the head blinked when he shone light in its eyes and flinched when he banged a hammer on the table nearby. Finally, he he fed the head a piece of cheese, which went through the uh, esophageal tube. We should note that this experiment has been hotly debated and was never independently verified. Um, and the reason I say I know this one is because I believe that's the same guy. I remember I, earlier I asked you if he was Russian. Yeah. There's one, one, uh, scientist. He was actually hired by the Russian government and he was supposed to make super soldiers. Yeah. And, and one of his theories was, is he was going to mount, uh, neither it was human heads on gorilla bodies mm. because gorillas are obviously more stronger than, I mean, humans, but humans are so intelligent that they could actually be more deadly of a soldier mm-hmm. or vice versa. I don't remember exactly what it is. But, um, the, the legend goes is he actually, he was able to, to put, uh, I think it was a gorilla's head on a human is what it took. And once he, he went to, you know, the, 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 not the czar, you know, whoever the fuck it is, is who runs Russia. Yeah. He's like, look, look, comrade, you know, I did it. And they're like, boom, they shot him right there. Really? <laughs> wow. Why? <clears throat> the Russians. <laughs> they're Russians. That's all the excuse we need, they're Russians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're not my comrade, I will kill you. I'm trying to make my best Russian and you do a Russian like that? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Why you let me die like that for? Well, Rebecca knows I'm good at doing impressions. But, uh, yeah, so seriously, he, he went and he took and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I've got it, you know, to survive on, on the human body. And they felt that the scientist was, uh, mad. So they, they shot him. Oh. And I think this happened in like the 1940s, 1950s. You guys can look it up on Google. It's just one of those weird facts that, you know, when you're just surfing the web and, and you find shit that, you know, you're like, I don't know. 
You know, you're, you're, you're looking like, well, where can I buy the next comic book? And you're finding, you know, people getting slaughtered for sewing heads together and shit. Yeah. That's, that's how you find it. You're like, oh, let's click this, see what this, oh, yeah. That's how you get to the weird side of YouTube. You look up comic books. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I went from looking up video games to looking up comic books to looking up movie trailers to looking up fan, fan made movie trailers to looking back to comic books again no i've got worse ones like one time i was looking at music videos and all of a sudden i got to like the weird side of youtube with like babies with like diseases and then from there to like childbirthing and then like real videos of childbirth and then to, from there to like all these babies that died during childbirth and it showed it i'm like how did i get here like this is so depressing and sick yeah that's that's why i'm constantly watching because right now that's jay's favorite thing is is youtube yeah so I'm constantly trying to like keep an eye on him and, and where he goes. And plus with Zoe, because Zoe loves YouTube. But Zoe, you know, for the most part, she, she's smart enough. She knows where she wants to go. Yeah. You know, she, she likes to watch Curious George and Mickey Mouse. <coughs> but yeah, I've ended up on some weird places in fucking YouTube. Mm hmm. Like, um, there's this one debate going on right now, and I didn't know nothing about it until I seen the article on YouTube. Is uh, one of the Miss Americas, you know, the next contestant for Miss America, mm -hmm. was born a dude. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I've seen that actually. And the he/she, I don't know whether to call him a he or a she. Um, he's like, well, you know, the plumbing's gone, you know, so I'm not a dude, but. You don't have you. You don't have real estrogen, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's called Miss America for Not Mrs. Sir, <clears throat> and I know we'll probably get hate mail, you know, from that. But I don't know. That's just one of the weird places I've gone to. You know, just kind of ended up on. Um, fuck, where else have I gone? Um, <sighs> Cosplay, you know, I was trying to find, you know, more information about cosplay. Yeah. I ended up some weird ass fucking, I, I don't even know why they're called cosplay, but that was just like weird. <laughs> people, people like shitting on each other and, and oh my God. That's like, not cosplay. That is so not cosplay. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you just dig, you dig hard enough, you're going to find some weird ass shit. Yeah. I, no. No. <laughs> um, Sometimes you can like, you catch yourself, you're like, no, I gotta, no, I'm not doing this. Not again. It's, it's like getting sucked into the wormhole. It it's is. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, what was it? I'm trying to remember the last time I, I ended up there. And it was actually here in this house. I was digging around. And you see this really feminine hand holding like a dessert cup. Mm -hmm. You know, like how you go and get uh, self-serve ice cream. Yeah. And that type of dessert cup. And you see it under her butt. My God. <laughs> and it's like, I know what's about to happen, and I really don't want to see it. But at the same time, are they really going to do it? You know, so I sit there for like a good five minutes. Am I going to push play? Am I not going to push play? Yeah, chick shit in a cup. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Uh... Weird stuff on YouTube. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, 
green vines, and dried monkey meat for dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com. What are you looking up now? I see that you both are kind of hovering around oh, the phone. She likes to. We mentioned. She mentioned this on. One of our other episodes is she likes to go to the site. There's a bunch of weird stuff on it. That's where you're at, huh? Yeah. Are you on the Huffington Post? No. no. <laughs> it's something like the Huffington Post, but it's not. It's called Listverse. I've been going to this site for years. <clears throat> she was telling me, she's like, yeah, she's like, when I was with my ex, like, whenever he wouldn't want to do anything with me, uh-huh. he'd always bitch at me. I'd come out here and go on my laptop and just look at this shit for hours. 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 He's like, what are you doing? I'm looking at Lisper. Still? Because I could be on here for like days. Well, is there anything good on there that you can share with some, you know, share with There's listeners? all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of well, categories. But... Grab something and let's go with it. Okay, hold one, on. one time she piqued my curiosity. One time she showed me this thing. She's like, I was like, what are you looking at? She's like, this thing that I like to go to. I was like, what is it called? She's like, it's called Lisper. And it has like a bunch of like different articles about stuff. She showed me like morbid, uh, uh, human, um, morbid human, uh, abductions or something like that. And really? It, it was about like missing people, but they, f- they didn't f- necessarily find the missing people. They found pieces of the missing oh, people. Oh shit. Yeah. And it was like, like diff- seven type shit. Yeah. You've seen seven with Brad Pitt? Yeah. And, uh, what is that? Kevin Spacey? Spacey. <laughs> okay, what do you got? Here's a um, this one's from an- the animals category. Oh, okay. This isn't bestiality though. This okay. one's ten awesome species we just discovered. Okay. The first species is the legless lizard. The legless lizard, actually, legless. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Lacey and um, Sadie Burbank, they talked about the legless lizard. Yeah, it's, it's like a. It looks like some type of snake. It's really weird. What else? Um, they have the Apollet. Apollet? No, what is that? Um, I think it's a shark. It looks like a um. It says these remarkable animals are perfectly suited to their environment as their streamlined bodies move through water with ease, together with a variety of evolutionary advantages such as a sonar. Incredibly powerful scent glands, large muscular bodies, and rows and rows of t- treacherous teeth at their disposal. It's hard to think of anything else 
they could possibly excel at. Well, it's time, it's time to add walking to that list. The Paulette discovered in Indonesia used its fins to walk across the ocean floor in wiggle pattern like underwater salamanders. A walking fucking shark. Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy. They could probably only do that because of the density of the water. Dun-dun. If they Dun-dun. were on land, they'd be like, dun <laughs> Yeah, but still, it's still creepy. Trying to shimmy back They could the walk up to the, the like shallow waters and bite the shit out your foot. Yeah. yeah. This one is the Lingito. Says it's rare to discover a new mammal of any kind. This is a new mammal. Okay. It's even rare to discover a carnivorous mammal in the Western Hemisphere. The last recorded finding was the 2010 in Madagascar, when a new type of mongoose-like creature was discovered. Previously, a Colombian weasel was discovered in 1978. Needless to say, it's kind of a big deal. Even more impressive is that the new species is incredibly diverse. Scientists making the discovery believe that there there may be up to four separate subspecies, completely unheard of. Christopher Helgen. The researcher who made the discovery believes this may be the last time in history of such an event that such an event can occur. The new animal, called the Angolito, lives in the cloud forests of the Andes in Ecuador and Colombia. The name derives from the relatives, the Olingos, with the Spanish suffix ito, meaning little, added, added in reference to their smaller size. Angolitos also, are also identical to Olingos to their degree that they have been mislabeled for years as the same species. Due to their secluded and obfuscated environment, it was difficult for explorers to find the tiny creatures amid the dense fog in the upper rainforest. They may share their name with Anglitos, but they should not be considered the same species by any stretch of the imagination. I was thinking Lingoliers. They actually. only share their they only share ninety percent of DNA compared to humans who share ninety five percent with chimpanzees. Mm. Spiny bulky meekot rat. Okay. Um. It says, it's pretty well-received theory that modern-day mammals evolved from a type of rodent-like creature that existed millions of years ago. Now, in the same location where Charles Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace first developed their theory of evolution, a new rodent has been discovered. Russell believes that in the mountainous regions of Halmahera and the Molucas, there existed a line that defined two separate evolutionary uh, trends. One side represented that of Australian... Wait, how do you say that? Australasian? Yeah, Australasian. That is Australasian. Australasian is yeah. the... It's... Remember when we were watching that, uh, that sushi film? Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I know. It's that area. Yeah. Okay, it's a or, region. Yeah. Origin, yeah. while the inhabitants of the other side came from Asia. The new find, a small rodent, of course, brownish-gray fur and white underbelly, represents an entire new genius for the region. The finding reinforces Wall's theory that exactly 100 years after his death, initial investigation reveals the rat is omnivorous and displays DNA characteristics of, a tip, of the typical animals arriving from the West through Asia. This is so tiny, this frog they discovered. It's smaller than... It's like a quarter size of a quarter. Oh, wow. It's called an Oreo friend. friend. Oreo friend. Uh... <clears throat> Papua New Guinea is a hotbed of evolutionary discoveries. The world's smallest vertebrae was discovered recently in the form of the Pedofren Amanius species. Three new frog discoveries. And it says, brings the number of species in this genus up to seven, each measuring only 20 millimeters. Tiny. Holy shit. Estimates predict that there are still at least a dozen more species to be discovered from the region because large portions of the terrain have not yet been surveyed. More than just the discovery of one new species, an entire new ecosystem is being uncovered. What the heck is that? Liar sponge. A liar? Yeah, L-Y-R-E. Okay. Or Lear. Maybe it's Lear sponge. What is it? Liar. Oh, it is liar? Uh Okay. Liar sponge. That's Terry Shearer, by the way. Also referred to as the harp sponge. It looks like a harp. That's why they call it that. Okay. Due to its shape that resembles a harp, is a little bit different and a little more creepy than your average sponge. This is supposed to be a sponge. Look at this. Okay. That's a sponge. Oh, wow. That doesn't even look real. She'll tear it real fast. He was speaking. Um, it has continued to prove the lengths to which nature will go to survive in inhospitable conditions. And it doesn't get much more inhospitable than 30,000 meters below the ocean's surface. Holy shit. 
The lyre sponge is a candelabra-shaped carnivorous animal that attaches itself to the ocean floor. Long finger-like extensions protrude from its veins, which can carry in numbers of up from, two up from two up to six. Small barbs on the fingers snare passing fish, which are encased in a membrane and digested. I think eats fish. That's freaking it's crazy. weird. And it's a sponge, though. Yeah. It's weird looking. Okay, number four is Carolina hammerhead. A new, another new shark they found. Carolina. I was gonna say to me, it's they're finding like, new, like uh, ocean creatures every day. Like, <clears throat> I was gonna say to me, Carolina hammerhead sounds like the new, you know, moonshine. <laughs> for real. The Carolina hammerhead was named for the region in which it was discovered. This shark was first identified in 2006, but went through a, went without a name for years. The primary characteristic of the Carolina hammerhead, which distinguishes it from the nearly identical scalloped hammerhead is the number of vertebrae. The new species has roughly 10 fewer vertebrae than its relatives. Unlike their appearance, the DNA of the two species are significantly different. Okay. So it looks basically the same as it, but they have different DNA, which is weird to me. Okay. That kind of makes sense. That is so cute. <laughs> Colombian tailor bird. Cambodian. Oh, cam oh, sorry. Cambodian. Leave me alone. This is really, it's like a little finch. It does. It looks like it has a red mohawk. Yeah, like a little finch with a red mohawk. What else you got? North Atlantic killer whale. A new killer whale they found. Well, I know that, like, I was, I remember when I was in, um, in biology class a few years ago, and they were saying, like, like the, um, the walruses. Uh huh. Like, there's the ones that live, like, in the Atlantic and the ones that live in the Pacific. Uh huh. And, that they're separated by the the ice caps or whatever, and they're saying that like they don't even know if they're if they're different species or not. Really, the only way to tell if they're different species, well, other than doing like genetic testing, but even at that, if they can't, if they won't mate, because there's these things called walruses. They're not walruses. They're wal they're fish walruses, uh -huh. and they don't mate. But they're the same exact species. They're the same DNA, but they really? won't mate. The ones some live on the bottom of the ocean, some on the top, and they won't mate with each other. That's weird. Yeah, so they, it makes them basically two different species, like a subspecies of each other. That's, that is weird. Yeah, this is a fourth species of uh, of killer whales that have been spotted in the Indian Ocean. <clears throat> and then the last... Ooh. Okay. Ooh. That thing... Oh, my God. It's fucking gnarly looking. The last one is the tiger spider. Oh, I don't even like the name of it. For the squeamish or even remotely... Uh, arachnophobic, the jungles of Sri Lanka are most likely already on your list of places to avoid. Recently, another large addition was added to the list for reasons why. A newly discovered tarantula species is described as face-sized, measuring fuck. about 20 centimeters, eight, in, 8 inches across. It's almost a foot long. Fuck, dude. Redefining creepy, the tarantula is remarkable for the gray and yellow stripes along its legs and body. The giant spider prefer established old trees but have recently moved into old and abandoned buildings because of deforestation. Ooh, that's what I want to find, you know? Yeah, really? During the effort to identify the new species, a police detective was employed to locate the creatures, many of which were found inside a local hospital. Oh, that's, that's what I need to fucking hear. At least we're not in Sri Lanka. Yeah, that's true. This thing, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's terrifying. Yeah, to notice that could be bigger than your face. Oh, fuck no. Because tarantulas oh, no. are big as it is, but that's like a giant tarantula. Holy shit in a half shell, man. Fuck me. No, no, no. Ten no. years from now, everybody in the United States will have one as a pet. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be all my fault. Mommy, my science teacher has a spider. Oh. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I'm not. It makes me think of that movie... Um, not, not the silly one, Eight-Legged Freaks, but, yeah. the, uh, Arachnophobia. Yeah. The one that came out in the 90s. Was it 80s or 90s? It was the 90s. Fuck, dude. That, uh, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, people like, well, it, it's good for the environment, for the ecos. No, fuck that. I see one, they're dead. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't care if I'm walking down the street, they're dead. The, the thing that I like. You have to kill that thing with a shovel or a shotgun. <laughs> what I like to do. As I like, if I see a spider on the wall or something, I'll like kind of smash it, and then I'll take like a pencil or something, and I'll stick it through the abdomen, and I'll walk over to the stove and crisp it. 
Just makes it her that some bitch. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, look, look, it's fried. You want some shish kebab? She's like, get that fucking thing out of my face. You know, we actually have a, a patient at the hospital who got bit by a recluse. Mm. And they say there's no recluse up here. They say that all we have is the cousin of the recluse. Well, I know that it, now this is going to sound kind of gross, but this is, this is true. Um, he got bit and he just kind of let it go until mm. the skin rotted off and the spider was able to get inside of his leg oh. and laid eggs. Oh my God. And leg, and the eggs were inside of his leg and they hatched. So he had spiders inside of his system and pretty much from the, the knee down to his foot is essentially rotten. Oh my God. And that's, that's a true story, kids. I know. A, He's like, you want to see it? I'm like, no. This girl I know, she got bit on her butt, and she didn't think anything about it. And then like she had her mom. She's like, mom, look at my look at this. It hurts. Like, and then she seen that the the skin was like deteriorating. She's uh-huh. like, you need to go to the hospital. They told her that it wasn't a recluse that bit her. That it was the cousin that we have here, and it's not as deadly or whatever. That's bullshit. But she had a really bad infection, like staph infection, everything from that. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> so that. You know, that's, uh, I don't know if it's picking up outside, folks, but there's actually talking outside my window. That's kind of weird at this late at night. You hear it? Oh, I don't know. But anyway, the, the moral of the story the, of this is, is you see a spider, kill the motherfucker. It, it don't matter. It, the thing that gets me is like, people are like, oh, don't kill the spider, leave him alone. I'm like, that bitch will lay thousands of eggs in your house. You want those thousands of eggs to crawl in your mouth. There's as a you guy. Sleep. There's a guy in yeah, um, no. in Australia, and he makes YouTube videos about spiders and stuff like that that he finds in his house. He's a really nice house in Australia, and I guess like he lives out by like a washed desert area, and like they uh-huh. come into his house, and these freaking spiders are huge, and he captures those spiders and lets them go outside. I'm like, why? They're just gonna come right back in. Yeah. There was one uh, video where he had a spider up in the corner of his wall and it had like made a web. And this spider was a good like six inches long. Fuck. No. And a lot of those spiders in Australia are poisonous. A lot of anything in Australia is poisonous. <clears throat> yeah, he, he has a little daughter who's probably about like Zoe's age, maybe a little bit older. And oh, he just lets no. him go outside. I'm like, really? That could eat your kid. <laughs> For reals. That's why I'd, I'd be have... like it all over again. How the cocoon's like hanging from the. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have no desire to go to Australia. They've got fucking man-eating sharks on the water or man-eating in the water. Spiders, man-eating and snakes. I was gonna say man-eating, yeah, man-eating spiders and snakes up on the. You're fucked. Water or land, you're fucked. Just you can keep it. Dingoes are. They say that dingoes and uh, kangaroos are really like violent too, like aggressive. <laughs> you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's not one of my top ten places to go. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd probably rather go visit this, you know, pub where you get pissed on first than, <laughs> you know, going out there. That's just some place now. Um, and then I don't know if we actually talked about it on, on our podcast, but, you know, I found that scorpion. I don't think we talked about it, but yeah. We found a, a scorpion. In the the cupboard, that fucker. Actually, yeah, I think you mentioned it. I'm not sure if we did talk about it on the podcast, but I, I remember you mentioning it. To no, us. I told you about it. He <laughs> never told me about it, but I seen Lacey post a thing about right. it. Well, I wrapped it up, beat it with my shoe a couple times, then you know, beat it a couple more, and then flushed it down the toilet. Uh, 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 How uh, big was it? Uh, probably about that big. <laughs> Lacey said it was uh. Uh, well, how many inches is that? You think about four three. inches? That's about three. Three to four inches. She said it was just a baby too. I'm like, oh fuck that. Yeah, scorpions, yeah, scorpions get, get big. big. Yeah, they can go. They can get up to about a foot long. Well, tail and everything. Yeah. So no, 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 no. I I just I don't like bugs. <laughs> I don't like anything. In fact, I guess this is a good note to go out on. Um. There was, now you guys know what a pincher bug is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a person that came in the hospital, had an earache, and when they went in with the automatoscope to check into the ear, they seen that there was a, a, a earwig or a pincher bug mm-hmm. stuck in the ear. 
and it was so lodged in the ear they couldn't just pull it out with the tweezers. They had to do surgery on her. No, no. What they did is they actually took lidocaine and they dripped it on the the earwig. Dissolved it. No, it, it it froze him where he couldn't move, and then that's when they went in with the the utensils and, and pulled it out of the person's ear. My God. And that was well, that happened in Victorville. Because a, a friend of mine works multiple different places, mm-hmm. and um, it's the the county, I guess, equivalent to the county up here is where this patient went in. And, yeah. And I got an earache. So fuck, you know. Now from here on out, anytime I get an earache, I'm like, oh fuck, oh fuck, I got and an that earache. is why I would never want to go into the medical field. Why is that? Just because of the absurd fucking shit you would see every day. How the hell is somebody gonna find out that they got spiders crawling inside of them? How the hell? What about those people that show monsters inside of me where that guy had freaking larvae in his head and they kept telling him he was crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's like, I hear a noise in my, like, I hear it in my head, I feel stuff in my head, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing. Finally, it goes and I guess a fly, a certain type of fly burrowed into his head, laid eggs, left, the hole healed, and the baby's hatched. Oh, and he could feel them, and hear he could actually hear them. See now, Lacey likes watching that stuff. I don't like watching. Yeah, that I stuff. don't. I don't like watching that no. stuff either. Uh, a nasty, another nasty one is um, lady comes in wheelchair, and believe it or not, she's only like my age, but she looks like she's eighty, uh-huh. and she has um, plastic. Uh, Stater Brothers food grocery bags wrapped around their legs. And she came in for something else. Completely not... Unrelated. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, what's wrong with your legs? And she's like, oh, you know, da-da-da-da. Just blowing it off. And finally, um, they convinced her to take off the the um, plastic bags. And she had big old gaping wounds from being a diabetic you know, because pressure ulcers are very easy, yeah. you, to, you know, when you're diabetic. Well, <clears throat> the nice thing is, is because of this, she didn't lose her legs because they actually kept the the area clean. She had maggots all in her she legs. She had maggots all in her legs. And yes. they were keeping all the dead flesh off, keeping yep. the infection out. Yep. She knew she had maggots in her legs or she didn't know? She knew. And she didn't care. She was <laughs> out there. She probably put him in there. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. She's probably like, I seen this on TV. Yeah. It's gonna work for me. All right, kids. Uh, we've got two more shows. Well, actually, we have, this is 48. So next week is 49. And then we hit episode 50. And then after that, two more weeks. And then we have the, the big anniversary, uh, episode, episode 52. I'm really, Really, really excited about this. Are you guys looking forward to it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, about time we update our cover photo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so don't forget to bring in your headsets. Yeah, I, it's my fault. <laughs> Again. By that time, I will have a headset. And Sadie is going to bring in her mic. So the only people that are going to have to share mics is uh, Terry DeShear and Reaper Rick. Which I can't wait because I want to see both of them people at the table at the same time. It's going to be great. And then, um, like I said, we're getting a, we're getting a, a cake and all that shit. And, and, uh, I think, I guess maybe just kind of give you guys a heads up to think about what you're going to talk about. I think we're going to talk about what out of all of our podcasts, because we've done a lot of fucking podcasts. Yeah. We really have. Uh, you know, what, what is your favorite moment? Out of your podcast. So, and of course, fortunate for you is you can go back and listen to them and, you know, and, and think about yeah. what your favorite one is. And, and we're going to go around the table and, and that's what we're going to do. Um, and then I think there's some people that are going to drop in and say hi. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to this. It, it marks a milestone for the fact, not just us seeing red that, you know, we've, we've actually made it to that mark. But for the Jaisal Modcast and for all those people that actually thought I was a fucking weirdo, you know, leaving publishing behind and, and going into podcasting, 
this is just kind of a haha hooray for us. Right. <laughs> All right, that's enough for this week, kids. So I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. In the jungle, the mighty jungle. The spider. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like animals, or my singing for that matter, you might be seeing red. (laughs) Good night.